0: but sharp and iron. This is The Kingdom Project, and I'm your host, Marcus Hall. Uh, we've been covering different topics and all that. Last week, we started the phrase heaven and earth. So if you weren't here, that's what's going on. We're, it's not just physical, literal heaven and earth that I'm saying we should rethink, Think the phrase used throughout Scripture, heaven and earth, doesn't always mean the literal physical heaven and earth. Um, So we are on part two today. So last last week we saw the different usages in the Old Testament uh, of heavens and earth, and Moses calling out, talking to O heavens and O earth. And was he literally talking to the sky and the dirt? It was like, no. He was talking to the nation Israel. So we see that there's a different usage here. here and that the, the Old Covenant nation of Israel has been referred to as heaven and earth. And other nations at times are referred to as heaven and earth. And so we left off in second Peter three uh, last week and I told you guys to read that and see what you thought did, did anybody read it? you read it you said you don't remember that <laughs> that's okay now in context here in second Peter there's a lot there's a lot going on but in in second Peter three. If you, you know, we have these headings that have been added, but it talks about the day of the Lord will come. And we're, we left off like on the, what was it last week? Like eight through 10 there. And, uh, but you know, I want to point something out here at the beginning. He, he says in in verse two that he wants, You should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and the Savior Savior through your apostles. So he's bringing to mind Old Testament prophets here and the things that they have prophesied. Everything, like I said last week, you see stuff in the New Testament. You want to know more about it. You go back to the Old Testament. See what they're, they're going to use the same language. So now he's saying, remember. The prophets here, remember this stuff. I want you to remember this and the commandment of the Lord, that the Savior through, through your apostles. We're seeing a connection here of all this prophet uh, prophecy, all right? Well, there's a lot of prophecy in the Old Testament. Some has to do with the coming of Jesus, right? But some also has to do with destruction of the world, we think destruction of the heavens and earth Um, a new heaven and earth coming which we're going to see a little bit today as we'll end so if there's the visitors today you won't be here next week because you live elsewhere Uh, you can get the ending of the sermon next week uh, online (laughs) have a podcast and I post those every Sunday evening they come out uh, the sermon I do on Sunday morning so uh, you'll be left here with a little bit of a cliffhanger so (laughs) But my statement, I made a claim last week that I wanted us to look at this and understand this language because of the statement that I made that is that I believe we are living in the new heavens and new earth that we see at the end of Revelation coming now, which sounds ridiculous to a lot of people. All right. So, however, there's a lot of precedent to that. So, as we'll see some today. So. He's recalling this all, all these prophets. Like Paul even said, I preach Moses and the prophets, right? They were connecting everything. All, all Old Testament and the New Testament are all connected. Okay? So in that 2 Peter three ten, he says, "...but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat." And the earth and its works will be burned up. All right. So anytime heaven and earth or the end of the world comes up, 2 Peter 3 is the go-to verse. It's always, here it is, right here. The Lord said, inspired through Peter, here it is. It's going to all be burned up, right? So we saw last week, that Old Testament, like I said, it can be used as a reference and understanding the new. And in turn, the new gives us more insight and illumination for what's going on in the old. All right? The language and the symbols are the same. And we see how the phrase heaven and earth does not always mean literal physical creation. It's been used to speak of nations and their governments. And primarily for old covenant Israel. Along with the judgment and destruction. Okay. There's not a whole lot in scripture to I'm not going to go into the temple structure, but in in uh, the intertestamental period between the two testaments, alright, in second temple uh, literature, there is a lot. The the temple was a microcosm of heaven and earth. Okay? And the way it was set up was the outer, very outer court, C. That's for the Gentiles. They can't go any further than that. The inside here with all these other, these types of elements, okay? Elements, Think, remember that. This is the earth. You go into the Holy of Holies, that's the intersection of heaven and earth. So the temple was known as heaven and earth, all right? It's an idiom as well, all right? So I'm not going too much into that in this series, uh, in this, but but just looking typically here at the phrase, uh, the phraseology that's going on. So in Second Peter, we see this same thing, and it's connected with the day of the Lord. So we need to ask, what is the day of the Lord? Because Peter is connecting it with the destruction of heavens and earth. So do you, does anybody know what the day of the Lord is? You can look at your sheet. <laughs> huh? Um, it, it could be used for that it could be yes mm-hmm. a day yeah it, the phrase the day of the Lord is an expression that's been taken from the Old Testament today when we hear it it's usually like the day of the Lord is coming and it, they use it in reference to a second coming of Christ But in biblical language, it's also it's used in Old Testament throughout. Okay, and it was used many times as regards to these judgments and destructions that happen on various nations. And we saw some of that last week. But it usually meant a time when God himself would punish or judge people by the means of a different nation. Their armies of other people, the invading armies or other nations brought judgment and destruction. Upon all these various nations okay and these times were e- the, each one was called the day of the Lord uh, at, when they were proclaimed to the Lord so while the various references to to the day of the Lord in the Old Testament refer to various nations, I would suggest that the reference because we just saw he's recalling remember the prophets all they have to say remember that in the, in the command he, that all references and all such expressions in the New Testament are to a day of the Lord that was to happen to, to them. Remember, audience re- relevance, right? He's, he, Peter is writing to people in the first century. Re- wants you to remember everything that you know in the Old and what's been laid by the Apostles. The day of the Lord would be this time when the nation Israel was destroyed. It would happen in 70 A.D. Okay? So, I believe this reference of the day of the Lord here is to the destruction in 70 A.D. And it's not to the earth being destroyed. So, if you look just for a second, we'll give you another glimpse at how this in Revelation 20, verse 11. <clears throat> And it says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky and sky could be heaven fled away and no place was found for them. So if this is the real physical heavens and earth, then let's ask how they can flee. How can they flee away from, right? Especially if they're going to be dev- like destroyed by, by fire, right? A consuming fire and all this. They're going to try to get away. Like the earth is just going to like go out of orbit. Like, you know what I mean? So, so Peter is talking about the end of something here. And I would suggest it's the end of the Jewish age. Okay? And when the Lord comes, I know this may sound... Confusing when the Lord comes, the heaven and earth of the old covenant age will pass away. This coming, we'll see a little bit of it here, but it's the parousia, it's just a presence. He said um, he said a lot of things to that generation. We'll see that. But also here we need to address this word elements. Because that's a lot of that's one thing that people always bring up. These elements will be destroyed with intense heat. Alright. We think of the periodic table here, all right. All the elements of matter, all the atoms of the universe burning up with fire, okay? But that's, that is not the word elements here at all, all right? They did not even know of such thing. They had no periodic table back then. They didn't know the atoms and all these things. Now, yeah, the Lord could, the Lord could, the uh, Holy Spirit could have told Peter this, but he wouldn't have understood, I don't think. <laughs> Or even know how to to write about this. Okay, so this word here for elements—it's a Greek word. It's called stoichion. It's used seven times in the New Testament, and I put the, the the scriptures down there for you. In Galatians four three, it says, "In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world." Okay, that fr- that elementary principles is Elements, it's stoy high on. And then on in verse 9 of Galatians 4, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? It's, again, it's mentioned in Colossians 2.8. It says, See to it that no one takes you captive, by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits which that that word spirits is principles all right according to the elemental principles of the world and not according to Christ and then later in 20 and 22 it says if with Christ you die to the elemental Spirits, but again, it's principles to these elementary types of principles. If you die to that, all right, die to the yeah. elemental principles of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to these regulations? That do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, all of these things, okay? And then he says, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Works. Works here, okay? Remember here what we said? Uh, And the earth and its works will be burned up. We have these principles, elementary principles, and these works, these... Works of righteousness that was always upheld by Judaism in and, and the, and the Old Covenant, right? Hebrews 5.12, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. So all of these, the elementary principles, elemental spirits, and basic principles are all the, the Greek word on the literal meaning of this word, the word element then is, is el- it's rudiment principle. All right. This is the, and the elements of religious training, the ceremonial precepts that are common to the worship of Jews and the Gentiles. And so obviously the story high is not about Adams or the destruction of the entire universe. All right. So before I, debunk other future <laughs> heaven and earth views, we'll look at one more text that people will use. If you can get past the Second Peter 3, they will go, okay, what? Psalms 1, 102, 25, and 28. All right. It's David. you guys okay? Are you keeping up? Okay. Tell me if I need to slow It's a lot. (laughs) I know. All right. It says, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe. And the ESV says, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and you... Your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. Hmm. Stuff still goes on, though. Okay, the ESV doesn't translate it well. It says, will pass away. Part of that verse in 26, though, in most other translations say, and, and all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be changed. Okay, so instead of just passing away, they're going to be changed. And then here we see, but you, God, you are the same. Your years have no end, and the children of your servants shall de- dwell securely. Right, and their offspring shall be established before you. So, if something's going to pass away, and all that, there's still servants here, and still offspring of those servants. So this pro- this is a, a prophecy, if you will, from David. And when you compare Scripture with Scripture, right? The analogy of faith that we, we always talk about. Compare Scripture with Scripture or interpret it with Scripture, right? We find then again that the New Testament will illuminate this for us because in Hebrews 1, we see this as being quoted. In Hebrews 1, 10 and 12. And he says, And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. Now look right before this in verses 8 and 9. Because right before this, the author of Hebrews tells us that the fulfillment of these is related to the establishment of the eternal kingdom. All right, The new covenant of Christ. Because it says, but of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Okay, so this, this heavens and the earth, the old covenant Israel, would perish but Jesus and his throne would, will, would and will remain forever and ever. And the superiority of, of Christ over angels is shown here in a moment. And that he created the world wherein they were ministering spirits. In Hebrews 2, 1 and 5. Therefore, we must pay much uh, closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will, right? For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, the world to come, of which we are speaking. Is anybody really familiar with the book of Hebrews? Okay. The book of Hebrews, I've mentioned it before, either people get it or they don't. And this this book is, I just call it the transitional (laughs) book. Okay, you have two covenants running simultaneously here uh, from the time Jesus, uh, uh, his his crucifixion, his resurrection. And until the destruction of the temple that comes in 70 A.D., you have the old covenant and the new covenant running parallel. That's why you see so much going on in the New Testament, you know, of the Judaizing and. Circumcision versus no circumcision and, and, and all these things on the do not eat, do not touch, all this type of stuff. It's always being combated by hey, receive the revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done. That's old. This is new. Alright, remember the prophets. Remember the the, the the whole old testament. Hebrews is all about this transitional time period that's happening within the first century. Okay, so here in in Hebrews 2 and verse 2, it's speaking of that covenant that happened at Sinai. All right, the Sinai covenant, which was given by angels and compares it to this new covenant salvation that Jesus brings. Okay, and in Hebrews 2, 5, the world to come would not be in subjection to angels in contrast to the world that then was because it was going to pass away. So what's this world? It's, it's just like when you're reading this age and the age to come. All right. Think of this old covenant age and the age to come is the new covenant age. OK, so how is, is the world or the heavens and earth of old going to perish? Well, David said they shall wear out like an old garment and they would be changed. And this is how other texts speak of the passing away of the old covenant. And it uses the exact same language if you look at Hebrews eight, thirteen, And that says, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The Old Covenant's becoming obsolete. It's growing old. It's about to pass away. And not many later years later, it did. There's a 40-year time span from 30 AD to 40, uh, uh, 70 AD. So Jesus predicted the end of this Old Covenant or Jewish age in Matthew 24. We're not going to go through all that, but... So there's two two ways of looking at it. People say this is the end of the world, or it's destruction of the temple or Jerusalem. Some people divide it and all that. But today we're just saying Jesus predicted the end of the old, the Jewish age of Matthew 24, and said that it would happen in his generation. All right? He, he says, This generation shall not pass till all these things have taken place. See, not in your head. I'm, that makes me happy. <laughs> Okay. Um, but David said the heavens and the earth would perish, but Christ would remain. And this is exactly what Christ taught in Matthew twenty four thirty five when he said heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Right. Remember last week I said I mentioned the verse where he says not a jot or tittle. Right. Shall pass from the law until heaven and earth pass away. If heaven and earth have not passed away, then we are under law. All 613. (laughs) Because he says that. Until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not one, you know, jot or tittle shall pass from the law. All right? So again, this language is clearly not literal. It's figurative. Remember what we learned last week. Apocalyptic language. All right? Jesus does not change subjects when he assures the disciples that Heaven and earth will pass away. Rather, he merely affirms his prior predictions, which are recorded in Matthew 24 and 29 through 31. When he says immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man. Then all the tribes of the earth which really should be land will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other it sounds like the end i understand if you guys under uh, read Matthew 24 in this last bit in that way you're going to be left with a lot of questions today but that's good because i want you to have questions and i want you to Read your Bibles. <laughs> I would say keep in mind that the central focus of this all of that discourse, along with much of the New Testament letters, is the desolation of the house and world of apostate Israel, and within the first century. Okay, we will always say this: the sun's going to be darker. Remember when we had the eclipse? And, oh man, there are some people like. So it's gonna be dark. The stars will fall from heaven. Think about this. I've already said it before. I know I've asked you guys before. If one actual literal star fell <laughs> and hit Earth, could anything else happen after that? <laughs> right. I did, I know in your notes it says I here in a moment it says matthew 23 it's supposed to be 24 i messed up on that part but <clears throat> not the actual reference but <clears throat> there's some part in there i'm sorry <laughs> all right but here's the thing matthew jesus before this matthew twenty-three thirty-six. truly i say to you all these things will come upon this generation then in matthew 24 he's saying this generation shall not pass he's just got done he was in the temple Pharisees, like the woes, the seven woes, all this stuff, all the blood is on your hands and everything, right? The Olivet discourse starts with the disciples, like, look at this temple, how amazing it is. And he's like, not one stone's going to be left turned upon an- another here. The whole thing's going to be wrecked, it's going to be destroyed. All right? This is all that Matthew 24 stuff is apocalyptic language. And then again, like, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This old world of Judaism, represented by the earthly temple is taken apart stone by stone, just as Jesus stated. And each time God brought judgment on his people during the old covenant, there was a sense in which an old heavens and earth was replaced with the new. There's new rulers were set up, a new symbolic world model was built. There was the, uh, the temple, the tabernacle, right? The new covenant replaces the old covenant with new leaders, a new priesthood, new sacraments, a new sacrifice, a new tabernacle. All these are replaced. Right? We know in John 1, when it... John's... Oh man, that's such a good... <laughs> and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He made His... his, his he tabernacled among us. And we have seen His glory. The glory is the Son uh, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. <clears throat> a new temple... Right, John 2, 19, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And also, we are. The body, collectively, corporately, and as individuals. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Ephesians 2, 19 and 21 says that, In essence, what is this? It's a new heaven and a new earth. It's a new covenant. All right, so this darkening of the sun and the moon, the falling of the stars, coupled with this whole shaking of the heavens in Matthew 24, in your notes there, it says 23, but it's 24. (laughs) These are all more descriptive ways of saying that this heaven and earth, Judaism, the old covenant will pass away, right? In other contexts, when stars fell, uh, they fall to the earth, and it's a sure sign of temporal judgment. Right? Daniel, th- 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 these verses, Daniel 8, 10. Uh, it grew great, even to the host of heaven. And some of the host and some of the stars, it threw down to the ground and trampled on them. Was that real stars? No. Revelation six thirteen. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when the sh- when shaken by a gale. Again, how many stars can fall to the earth and we'll be all right? We know bits and pieces hit every day, but think of one star. Just pfft. Revelation 9.1 The fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. See? See here? It's not a literal star. And in Revelation 12, 4, his, 12, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. Again, not real stars. So then the, this passing away of heaven and earth is the passing away of the old covenant world of Judaism. It's the nation Israel. And upheld by those who crucified the Lord of glory, right? 1 Corinthians 2 eight says, None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The Hebrew people understood this kind of language. It's hard for us to. We're 2,000 years removed. All right. So in all these verses in here, in Matthew 24, 35, I get like Jesus is talking about the passing away of Israel when He speaks of heaven and earth passing away. This is what that whole chapter is about. The destruction and passing away of the temple and the nation of Israel so that old covenant is done. It's no more. Now you go back to 2 Peter where we started in 2 Peter 3. All right. In thirteen, he says, "But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells." Now, Peter doesn't tell us much about this new heaven and earth, except that it is a, a place where righteousness righteousness dwells. So, Paul, though Paul says something about this in 2 Corinthians three nine and eleven. He says, for if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, which was the old covenant, the ministry of righteousness, which is the new covenant, must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. The old covenant has no glory at all. The new covenant far surpasses it, he says. For, for if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. He's talking about the new covenant here. And, you know, in Daniel, Daniel tells us in chapter nine of his book that at the end of the 70 weeks, there's a lot of information, I don't know that. I'm just going to throw this in here though. The end of the 70 weeks, that after the people of the of the prince that, that, that shall come, and destroy the city and the sanctuary, okay? And this is a reference to the destruction of Jerusalem again. Uh, again. But then he says that everlasting righteousness shall be brought in. So we see Paul's talking about the new covenant, but it's about this righteousness. And everlasting righteousness shall be brought in, Daniel tells us. So the scriptures all bear this out. The old covenant nation is destroyed. The new covenant is fully consummated. And it's an eternal covenant of righteousness. It's where righteousness dwells. Why? Because it's Christ. And he dwells in us in the temple. Now, if you want to know more about the new heaven and the new earth, then we usually will look to John in the book of Revelation, right? And this is, this is it. We're going to leave you guys hanging here. Because in Revelation 21.1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. No sea? <laughs> no sea. Think about that in literal terms, you know. Of course, if this is heaven, and we don't need water, I guess, right? But remember how I explained the temple, how the outer, very outer part was called the sea, and that's where Gentiles, that's as far as they were allowed to go. They also had this, this, this laver there, a sea, it was called the sea, to wash To make cleanse themselves. This is for the priests. Before they were to do their works. Of these elemental principles of Judaism. Okay. In the new covenant. Gentiles are welcomed in right. It's for Jews and Gentiles. There's no more see. They can come into the holy of holies. Why? Because the temple is them. The church is the temple, the body of Christ. The bride and Christ make up this temple. There's no seed because all is welcome. Okay, so we are seeing what happens after this old heaven and earth are destroyed. Okay, and there's this new heaven and earth. And we will see the lamb's wife who is spoken of as the bride. And we know that from Ephesians 5, we spent, what, 17 weeks in the book of Ephesians, we know from Ephesians 5 that the bride is at the church. Okay, but before, this is how we're going to end. Before looking into this new heaven and earth, we need to ask where and when did God make the promise of the new heaven and earth? Right? It's in Isaiah sixty-five seventeen. It says, for behold, I create new heavens and new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. Right? And you remember last week too, we looked at a part in the new heaven and new earth where the former things, God will wipe wipe away every tear. The former things will not be remembered. Here he says, Former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. So, which sounds a lot like, yeah, I have it here. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. There's no more C. There's no more basic elementary rudiment principles to worship, right? So I want you guys, if you want to, I'm not going to make you do anything, but... <laughs> to read Isaiah 65 and 66 this week. And when you get to the part about, behold, I create a new heaven and new earth, pay close attention, slow down and see what's taking place in this new heaven and new earth. Okay? Because that's going to be the point there. Next week, we're going to look at the whole... All of that. We're going to look at it all and break it down. And we're going to see it's not like the new heaven and new earth that we've been told. All right. That's why I'm saying we do live in a new heaven and new earth today. Because if when you start to read Isaiah 65 and 66, you're going to see that it's not streets of gold (laughs) and all that other stuff. It's something else. It's something else.